This thing is just... Oh, there I go. Ah. Like a pop rock inside shell candy. I do not want to eat that. Hey, hey poet, poet, you. I like your poem. You poet. We have time for one more poem. We have time for one more poem. We have time for one more poem. Apparently, I'm amazing. You didn't know that. Poetry night rings through. Um, Sierra uh, is. Um, she grew up in Maple Falls. Is that correct? Maple Falls, and she has her MFA from North Carolina State University, and she's a recipient of the Academy of American uh, Poet Prize, Poets Prize, and um, I found this very interesting. She's also a Alaska fisherman. Okay. I would like to introduce Sierra Golden. I love this space because it's so like intimate. The last time I read, I was like 20 feet away from everyone and it felt very odd. So um, thank you for having me and thank you for the wonderful introduction. Um, I'll start with a poem called Poppies. The student's pupils are black and dilated, wide as a poppy's pistol center, watching my ass bob while I teach, facing the whiteboard, labeling the parts of an essay. I'm young, confidence thin as a crepe paper petal, and I don't know what I'm doing, especially when a student comes by my office to say, my dad's in prison, can he write you a letter? David writes his paper on Mexican food, the way fiery spice blossoms in the mouth, the way folds in his abuela's hands read like recipes for tortillas, tamales, tacos, the way she holds home in her apron pockets. He brings curled papers to my office every week, needing help with spelling, commas, semicolons, everything, so that he might see the arc of a paper, the way language names and reifies. Wearing a rosary, he tells me about rush week, pulls a dirty envelope from his back pocket, and leaves the letter stamped censored with me. That night, I pull the seal open, the same way I peeled poppy buds in my mother's flower garden, pulling the calyx, revealing in an artificial bloom the tiny pink corollas still packed tight. David's dad is Iranian, his brother still there, sending him packages of opium stashed in picture frames. He claims innocence. David writes his second paper on the death penalty with syntax trapped between Spanish, Persian, English. Wanting to suggest revision, not error, I stop using red ink to mark papers. In my spare time, I read 
I read about poppies, miniature urns crowned with black anthers and scored with a scalpel to milk latex, opium, from green seed pods. In the U.S., it's illegal to grow opium poppies, but only if you know what they are. Months later, I've got a... That's really true, too. Um, and if you get caught growing them in your garden and you know what they are, it's the same penalty as if you're trafficking cocaine. So, sorry for the interruption. Um, months later, I've got a whole stack of papers to grade, and I've just begun David's when it starts to rain. His broken sentences grind on about food deserts, the McDonald's he ate for dinner as a kid, his mother too tired or broke or both to cook, the grocery store off the bus route, David's dad working the night shift. By the third paragraph, the writing is technical, smooth, and I know David plagiarized. I'm not kidding when I say this is when the thunder rattles my windows, losing an octave for each paragraph I read. David forgets quotation marks, citation styles, but he should know the alchemy of language, that he will be made by words and undone, that a sentence can turn a weightless seed into a drug war or a garden of red petals. Um, so as Dobby mentioned, um, I also work on a commercial fishing boat in Alaska in the summers, and you'll kind of see that pop up in some of the poems that I'm going to read, and so I'll try and just make sure that everything makes sense um, before I start reading. Um, in this next poem, there's a word, sane, um, which is a type of fishing net. It's just a really big net to catch fish with. Um, at work, when my hands curl and cramp, Stiff and racked as dry seaweed, I've been sweeping the seine into careful heaps for too long. And when I sleep, palms pressed flat, protecting fragile tendons, flex of the wrist, I dream my fingers bloom with lichen, stems and caps pooled with rainwater. What is it to know dirt? I want to know how roots cast shadows in the dark, how light spreads like an emerald wake under a maple tree in summer. Divorce uh, is my next poem, and I borrowed lines from E.E. E. Cummings and Lewis Hyde. Um, so if you might recognize something in here if, if you've read much of either of those two. Divorce. Love is a vice. The silly flush of it becomes tight as tentacles, the weight of a blue whale. The act of it work beyond the shape of my hands. I want love to be a featherweight. Wish I could dovetail my words with but. But this error is the sign of love, but not even the rain has such small hands. But our relationship is a body, and we will not dismantle it, bone by bone. In the dark, I walk by our neighbor's boat, the frame, a skeleton waiting for skin, luminous in a rundown shed, lit from within. I watch the shipwright begin, lugging the steam box into place, planing the broad beams and laying the keel like a spine. Knowing that slow art of bending ribs, stretching the straight planks into a bell, he finds the breaking point night after night. Perhaps I can still learn a certain alchemy, watching the hole heel over the frame, the planks with a grain like scar, the planks with a grain like scar tissue. Thank <laughs> you.
last winter I lived, um, in a really small house, um, outside of Port Townsend, um, for a little while. And technically it was a shed, um, which is kind of funny, but if you build under a certain size, then you're under county code for what counts as a house and you can kind of sneak by on taxes and you get different benefits. Um, but I just borrowed it for, for a little while and I've, since then I've been kind of writing a series of poems that I call shed notes. Um, and so I'm going to read, I think there's three or four short little poems, um, from shed notes. Housewarming. The day I move, shuffling boxes and baggage from car to porch, porch to door, door to loft. Amos spends helping friends slaughter pigs. Shots echoing from the neighbor's orchard, scent of apples rotting in the sun, mingling with steaming blood. That night, he brings me a heart in white butcher paper. Together, we unwrap the rust-colored lump, wondering which knife, how sharp, where do we slice? What can we savor, and what, if anything, should we throw to the dogs? <laughs> don't feel like you have to clap after everyone. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> uh, heron. A heron at the end of the dock casts shadows under the moon, the stillness like a map, as if his hush marked an X called home. To think he could carry that gauzy piece anywhere. After his beak pierces the night, after those slender bones bending tendons and his body bumbles down from flight, he folds into the dark, settling, settling. <laughs> uh, dinner company. Ground too wet for snow to stick, wind puffing just so, white flakes fall up. I fake, read Blake, and wait, watching dark hover in smothering coon-gray clouds, the damp running a cold snout across my knuckles and toes. When the night has stuck for sure, the flurries stick too. I start cooking, and you pause outside the lit kitchen, watch me sift flour in small drifts. I cut it with butter, roll out small balls of dough. I can feel you fold the whole scene like an origami crane and put it in your pocket, its wings spreading in my chest. And the last one from Shed Notes, The View. Morning and the rose hips stay plump with frost, then pucker and thaw in sea breeze from the bluff. Two figures hold hands and traverse the mud, their outlines small against the shattered clouds, the wind shipping whole fragments to my ears. From the window, I hear bowerbirds, bloom, bounty. All the beautiful bees thump as shutting doors do. I hear, listen, darling. I hear, lousy you. Language is smaller than love, is a nest when a spaceship is needed. Um, let's get that one. <laughs> uh, this next poem I spent last summer. I was reading a lot of Dean Young. Have any of you guys, anyone know Dean Young? He's really great. He's, um, really quirky and funny. So if you kind of like a sense of humor in what you're reading, he's a great person, um, to read. Um, and so the next poem is sort of a letter in response to one of his poems that I wrote back to him. And so the poem starts with an epigram from his poem called Side Effects. 
When you wake, the last time the forest you've been looking for will turn out to be right in the middle of your chest. And I start. Hey, Dean. The problem is the forest in my chest really exists. The problem is I can't find a way out, and I can't find the place where the delphiniums bloom either. The problem is I've carved my initials with too many others on too many trees, and the campground emptied years ago when the picnic table paint started to peel. Not even the hunchback visits anymore. He looked at the stars too many times. Since I can't leave, Dean, I'm eating honey and salmon berries and sometimes the carry-on the wolves leave behind. I always wanted to see how frugally I could live. It doesn't sound like much, I know, but this is an adventure. It's the most I can hope for. You should come visit. Sometimes it takes two to know if one is upwind or downwind of a steaming pile of grizzly shit. The bears are quite hungry this time of year. Please bring your guns. Um, this next poem is called Dakota Plain I learned to hunt arrowheads saddle a horse the color of mud sling a green steel gate open and shut I learned the hollow thumping of hooves on hard dirt springing click of crickets abandoning the path I loved the wind-blown grass bending at the waist like a woman crying, then dancing a slow, sad dance wide as the horizon, spilling low hills and dune grass to the stars and back. There was all this space for the truth. My grandmother called it God's country. Nowhere, she said, is the same, ducking behind the Appaloosa rump of a horse called Stump, hand curving to his thin haunch. But I told myself, nowhere is spelled the same as now, here. When no one watched, I shot whiskey, took the sun straight up, and cracked the storm clouds with a prayer. Now, city I live in, city of suits, city of bridges and faith, city of alleys and lines, sprawling bodies, I'm telling you, oh, narrow city, I'm waiting, still waiting, Dakota plain and ready for the truth, and ready for truth. Any truth, the color of concrete. Last winter, um, I met a woman who, she was a ship pilot in Alaska in the 70s, which means she would take like a little speedboat out to these huge tankers and she would climb up a ladder up on the side of them while they were underway. And then she would pilot the ship through all the hard places to navigate um and she was doing this when you know there were basically no women pilots and she was doing it in alaska so she was pretty much like a hardcore badass (laughs) um and i wrote uh this poem for her or about what i imagined her life might be like um it's called pilot i worked with men all men, every day, and the strange quaver of their voices as they watched my breast as I boarded the trampers, climbing between rusty containers of fishing nets and food. No matter how many times I piloted the river, my reputation would disappear into curls and hips. 
In this place, powered with diesel and porn, I'd hide in car hearts and flannel, vanish into charts and weather reports, their eyes strange and still on me, leering, while hands kept moving, laboring, fiddling the boat into working condition. I learned to ignore the shape of my body and feel, instead, the water, like a lost limb, knowing the reefs and shoals like fingers and toes, dreaming of an octopus changing colors, its blush, swirl of chromatophores, magenta, mauve, burning on the lightless ocean floor. Um, so this next poem, um, I just will say that I, ha I brought broadsides. I don't have chapbooks or anything, but broadsides are like a poem poster, um, and they're hand-printed, letterpress, really pretty. Um, you can get them at the merchandise table if anyone's interested. Um, and this is the poem that's on the broadside. It's called Hatchery. And does everybody know what a hatchery is? Okay, good. Got some nods that time. Um, hatchery. The last fry thrashes in the empty tank. Brothers and sisters already released. He is stuck. Wedged behind the green hose, tiny tail flapping, slapping a small smack against the banked walls. He mauls himself, thumping his pencil-thin body against blue plastic hard as concrete. Bent over the wall at my waist, I fish him out of the last half-inch of water, the size of a small pocket knife in my palm, but lighter, like a cigarette, so much hidden in the weight of almost nothing. I think... If salmon were cigarettes, I'd smoke, as if I could inhale their slow, stupid strength, their knowing exactly where home is, the scent of rotting leaves and creek water drifting constantly in their noses, the same as it sifts over a gravel stream bed, as if I would lean back in my lawn chair, drag on the silver carcass like an old-fashioned rolly, feel the buzz pouring through my veins, the calling, and know just where to go. Um, I have just two more poems for you guys. I just want to say thank you for coming. It's wonderful to see so many faces here. Um, thank you to Poetry Night for hosting me. Thank you, Dobby and Erica, everyone else who helped organize. Um, and and then I'll start just by saying that a kipu. Does ever does anyone know what a kipu is? Okay, it's really cool. Um, I also studied Spanish when I was in school, so I took some Latin American culture classes, which is where I learned about this. Um, but Wikipedia says that Akipu, sometimes called talking knots, were um, recording devices historically used in the region of Andean, South America. Akipu usually consisted of colored, spun, and plied thread or strings from llama or alpaca hair. The cords contained numeric and other values encoded by knots in a base 10 positional system. A kipu might have just a few or up to 2,000 cords, which basically means that way back in like the 1200s, 1300s, um, there were these people living in Latin America and the way they would communicate over thousands of miles is they would tie knots in a bunch of spring strings and they would give them to a runner and the runner would run and then someone else would get the string and then they would like look at all the knots and be able to read the message. Um, and that is in the poem. <laughs> so the poem is called Word. Reader, 
I want to rush into you like a stream, but we travel as a tug and barge, together, separate. The chain cable between us, a kipu, small knots of language running in tight patterns. Each lump is disparate, the way we teach children the difference between continuous, discrete numbers. I remember bathtubs, apples. Imagine what happened to the mountain messenger who misunderstood a collection of strings 500 miles from their source. You laugh, but how different is an email, a poem, a raised eyebrow at dinner? Our voice boxes tie knots out of air, string them invisible across the night, pearls around a lover's throat. The tongue's trail, the tongue's trail along a breastbone evaporates. There is no upgrade. And uh, my last poem for you guys tonight is called Suddenly Beautiful. Months since the neighbors, and it snowed today, so this is appropriate. Um, (laughs) Suddenly Beautiful. Months since the neighbors piled their firewood, tall as the windows, wide as the house, stringing brown plastic between pine trees, protecting their winter heat, and blocking my view beyond anything but sap-leaking stacks of wood, it snows. And in the morning, the tarp-tented heaps of uncut logs appeared, suddenly, beautiful. Just a fine shake of flakes shining in the sun, tree drips pattering on plastic, and I was in love, for a moment, thinking, is this how a poem happens? One morning, you wake up, sit in bed past any reasonable hour, and finally stop thinking how the neighbors stole your view, how everything needs doing or undoing, the dishes, the mess you made with the in-laws. Some part of you collapses, maybe your standards? Where they stood inside you, (laughs) where they stood inside you opens, letting in what little light there is. Thank you. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Right. Right. and everybody can just be like, you know, hold it here and announce the announce the poet, right? And they'd come up and I'd hand it to him and help him scrap it into it. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we'll do that when we get the book, right? Yeah, oh yeah, poetry, poetry night is huge.